1: Hello, everyone, and welcome into the first episode of the Fantasy Pros NFL Draft Show. I am your host, Thor Nystrom. I will be joined weekly by my colleague, Derek Brown, going down all the positions, all of our rankings, all of our thoughts on all these various guys. We're going to start today with our top 10 quarterbacks, which we will get into momentarily. We also want to talk about some draft props, which we will be doing at the top of every episode as well throughout the spring, telling you guys maybe where some value is that we're seeing on the board, different stuff like that. Debra, I'm so excited to get into this show. We've been talking about this for a long time, uh-huh. and it's finally here. Oh, baby. I'm lit. I mean, this is this feels like Christmas Eve, man. Like
0: I was so excited about this. I mean, we talked about this. I called you at midnight last night so we could talk about some prospects beforehand. Didn't want to give away too much. So that way, we could have some live reactions on the show. But, dude, we've been talking about doing a show like this for over a year. Now, the powers that be at Fantasy Pros greenlit this, and it's it's go time, baby. So, look. I'm ready, and we're going to get into this. I think we're going to have a ton of fun on this show. So thank you to everybody for tuning in, subscribing to this. And, dude,
1: let's go. Let's do this. Now, Debro and I, we, we do talk about, guys, as, as we get through on the tape, just giving little thoughts and whatnot, but we have not gone through our top 10s or given full thoughts to mm-hmm. each other on this. So I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say as well. Let's start, though, with developments in the prop market, the biggest one of which every single spring is literally just the dropping of them. And we finally have a wider selection that was just dropped recently here on DraftKings. d the couple I wanted to hit, first quarterback selected to start out with Caleb Williams right now, minus 1,000, prohibitive favorite on that. Let's just start there. You look down the odds on this on the board. Are there any initial thoughts that come to you? And are there any values that you're seeing down lower on the board, potential guys that people could bet on?
0: Yeah, man. I think the two guys that stick out the most to me and not just going with the long shot bets here, but looking at Jaden Daniels over on DraftKings, which if you're on DraftKings, man, you got to be using the promo code fantasy pros. If you're in there, new customers get a no sweat bet up to a thousand dollars. If you lose the first bet, you're not going to lose this one if you put money on it, baby. And that's plus 1400 on Jaden Daniels. And looking at him, he's got the type of skill set to possibly be the number one guy overall. If it's not Caleb Williams, Looking at that dynamic skill set, that's the guy I'm willing to sit there and put some quiche behind. But I'm going to toss this right back to you, Thor. Who sticks out here to you?
1: Thor may I- or may not have already made a couple bets here. Um, mm-hmm. The one that I liked, and I, I had to, I had to put some of my soldiers at risk because of this. JJ McCarthy at plus ten thousand. Mm-hmm. I feel like is it's not. Go, it's not respectful enough to him. In more realities than that, I feel like he would end up at, at number one. I, I don't want to get too in-depth into my thoughts because we are here in a second on J.J. McCarthy. Mm-hmm. But I, to me, this is more of a four-man uh, type race as far as those top four, four quarterbacks go. Certainly than the odds board is depicting. J.J. McCarthy is number six on here. They have Bo Nix on the odds board for this. Bo Nix at number five is, is plus 7,500. I I don't see how Bonex goes above JJ McCarthy. Michael mm-hmm. Penix is plus four thousand. JJ McCarthy can get pl- for plus ten thousand. I mean, just from an ROI perspective, I feel like that's you're getting some some decent odds there. So I I went with that. Debra, the the number two odds. So so the odds to be the number two overall pick are kind of interesting too. We've had this narrative not even the the spring. I mean, this is going back to last summer, coming out of the last season, 2022. It's been Caleb is number one, Drake May is number two, and then we'll begin the discussion. The odds boards are still reflective of sort of that paradigm. Uh, Drake May right now, live in the market, minus 180 to be the second overall pick. Jaden Daniels at plus 175. You have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus 500. Caleb Williams, if he were to get upset for the number one pick is plus 750 here. Looking over this board, you know, for the number two odds, are there are there any values here that you're seeing or, or any thoughts that come to mind for you? I mean, I think like,
0: I, I just want to hammer on the connections here and, and the quarterback archetypes here. And the two guys that stick out to me for this are again, going back to the Jane Daniels well, plus 175 and Caleb Williams at plus 750. Now, all you have to do is tell yourself a little story and say, okay, Cliff Kingsbury being in Washington... If they don't go with Drake May and they go for more of a mobile quarterback or we want to talk about the USC connection and Cliff spurning other teams and then just arriving in Washington, maybe we're connecting easy dots here. But a plus money on both of these guys, especially the odds for Caleb, if we do get the upset, say Chicago goes with Drake May or they they go off the board with another pick or some team trades back, however, that falls out. I love the odds on Caleb here and making the cliff connection as well as Jane Daniels and the mobility. I mean, we saw him handpick Kyler Murray when he was the head coach in Arizona. It's not hard to see either one of those things come to fruition.
1: Well, let me put it this way just by a straight percentage. Let's say Caleb Williams is on the board at number two and Washington makes that selection. What by a percent, what percent odds do you think that Washington would pick Caleb Williams? Oh, good Lord. My, minus two fifty. Yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent. He's there. All, all I mean. it takes. All it takes is for Caleb Williams to get upset as the first pick, and he's gonna be the second pick. Yep. So I mean, just by definition, I, I feel like getting the seven and a half to one might might be a decent bet there as well. Um, so interesting in the prop market, we will keep our eyes on this as we go in the spring, uh, Debro and I are, our big time NFL combine prop bettors, uh, with the 40. So those will be dropping soon. We'll be talking about that in episodes coming up. And then of course the slot props, when they drop all of them, uh, we will be diving deep into that as, as we get further along here in the spring, but Debro, we have so many quarterbacks to talk about and in a very compelling quarterback class. So we best get into it. The way that we thought we would structure this show is as we go through on the positions to present these uh, in the order that they are as a consensus at the time that we do the episode, we're using the NFL mockdraftdatabase.com consensus rankings just from the industry. And that's how we'll, we'll present these guys, give our take, and then give where we would rank them or where we do rank them right now in our top 10. So we only got time for the top eight, bro. So let's start at number eight on that board. Which is Michael Pratt. Give us your thoughts on Michael Pratt and then where you have him in your top 10.
0: Yeah, Michael Pratt. Look, I mean, my comp is going to tell you all you need to know about Michael Pratt. I mean, right now I've got him comp to Matt Castle. I think he's a pure pocket passer. Um, I know that he had some running and, and some times with mobility as far as that two lane. I don't see that translating to the NFL. He's got an easy delivery, he throws an accurate ball. I look at him as more of a, a guy that. Looking at the NFL, probably round five type of guy as far as draft uh, capital, at least we're projecting right now. And is a player that who's had moments of flash, and in, he's played well under pressure. But overall, there's no like just dynamic trump card to Mike, Michael Pratt's skill set. I think he's pretty good at all the different things. He's pretty good at ball placement. You don't see a lot of wow throws on his resume. So again, a guy that I think is probably going to garner a decent career in the NFL as a backup, could get a cup of coffee or at least a, a run as, at a starting job at some point if injury were to arise. But again, not a guy that I'm going to project higher than round five in the NFL draft. And he's my QB eight. So I'm right in line with consensus.
1: As am I. He, he is also my my QB eight. And I think he set that up well. Like he's solid in a whole bunch of different areas. He's not a mm-hmm. lead in any, right? Like the the build yep. is, is, you know, he's got a solid build. He has oh you know decent athleticism for his size decent arm but none of it jumps out uh and the rushing utility is probably not going to play at the NFL level especially because he's got some durability concerns a guy that was banged up throughout college uh has concussion issues going back a while now had a shoulder thing um i'm wondering how his body holds up if he were to be pressed into action uh longer term in the NFL for me, Michael Pratt projects as a solid backup in the NFL. I think that's how you're getting. I think you're getting a guy that could potentially run your offense in a break glass in case of emergency type thing, not embarrass himself. He obviously knew all the concepts and the plays at Tulane, you know, was one of the, the leading guys in terms of turning their program around, around whatever, but not a singular guy that's going to elevate dudes around him, certainly not in the NFL. So that's why I had him down at, at number eight. A part of it was the durability thing. Uh, just without that, I, I might've put him a spot or two higher, but that's where I ended up on him. Moving to the um, next guy, Debro on the consensus board, QB seven is Spencer Rattler of South Carolina course, formerly of Oklahoma. He had to hit the road because Caleb Williams, the guy we're going to be talking about in a second, uh, he got benched for Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley. And then obviously those two were on their way out to USC. But this USC uh, of of Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, what did you think of his play? Well,
0: I'm going to leave this off right now. He so with consensus on mock draft database, he's QB seven. He is my QB six. So he has hopped somebody Mm. in the process, especially coming out of Mobile and looking at Spencer Rattler, it's. His play-to-play consistency has to improve. There are moments on, on his tape where you're like, oh, there's some wow throws. There's some like He has all the parts of pieces to be an NFL starting caliber quarterback. He can do some things with, it with his legs. He's got good pocket mobility. The problem with Spencer is that you'll have moments where you're just like, literally, what are you doing? Like, why did you make that decision? Why did you throw into double coverage? Why did, why, oh, why did you just make that read out of everything you could have done with that play? And so really that's where the upside contingent goes with Spencer because you see the good moments with that. You see where there are wow plays on his tape, whether that's him fitting a ball in a tight window, throwing on the run, creating a play where there is none. And some of that moxie that like, if you're going to get that type of, Game changer type of upside out of a prospect, we want to see some of those things. But the downside for Spencer Rattler is definitely there in the play to play consistency, going through reads and things like that. Like because he wasn't tasked with full field reads on every single snap, a lot of half field reads. He'd hang on to his his first option, then he kind of rushed the progression. So for him to actualize the ceiling the play-to-play consistency has to improve because we know the raw intangibles are there. Like, you don't see a guy break out early in his collegiate career to the extent that Rattler did and he just to be a schmo. So I believe in the kid's talent. If anybody, considering the week that we saw in Mobile, Thor, I think Spencer Rattler could be one of those guys as a riser in the process because we were both really enamored with how he interviewed, his overall just demeanor as a guy that, If you looked at him or you've heard different things in the process or you will in the weeks to come, where it's like, okay, guy had some some moments where on interviews, on TV shows, things like that, where it was like, okay, he's immature. But again, you and I have talked about this off air. It's like, how the hell would either one of us been if you'd interviewed us at 17 or 18 year old? like as a 17 or 18 year old being one of the top quarterback prospects in the nation, like some of that is immaturity, but what we saw in mobile is that he's, he's grown up. Life has taught him some lef- lessons and he is matured in this entire process.
1: Yeah. A thousand percent. He did not equate himself all well on the QB one show coming out of high school. Um, It's clear that he has matured uh light years since then and I think you know there was a reckoning with him a humbling when he was benched for Caleb Williams and then had to transfer went to South Carolina uh different stuff like that and and you see that manifest like he was one of the nicest dudes that we met down there in Mobile uh very generous and everything like that um thoughtful different stuff like that um on the field I I totally agree with you uh he's sort of like um uh, Bill Simmons used to have this concept for basketball of the irrational confidence guy, and Rattler sometimes plays with irrational confidence. And when things are going well, he plays, and that's when you see that that ceiling upside that we're talking about of potential NFL starter because he has the tools as far as from in the pocket. Certainly, the arm, love the gumption, love the field vision, love the courage. I mean, he'll test. Absolutely. Uh, He'll test good defenses, too. He doesn't care. Like, he trusts his eyes. He trusts what he's seeing, different stuff like that. When it's not going as well, that's where you see some things devolve. I like that his on-field game has matured as well. Uh, When he started off at Oklahoma... He liked to do uh, the high wire act sort of a thing and scramble around in the pocket, invite in the pressure, different stuff like that. He had a totally different kind of a game. His first year at South Carolina, and I would forward that South Carolina was a bad fit for him in terms of having a really poor offensive line in front of him both those years. The first year, he learned some hard lessons. Because the the sort of that high wire act that he was doing at Oklahoma when he was starting, he couldn't do it at South Carolina because you would have immediate pressure and the whole thing would get blown up. Whatever, so he had to modulate his game. Uh, this year there was a that was a lot better. And the coaching staff also helped him out a bit with that. I, I mean. South Carolina's offensive line marginally improved, but they were still 107th PFF pass grade, uh, pass block grade this year. But they, the coaching staff also helped him with more of the quick hitting concepts, different stuff like that, trying to keep the pass rush a, a little bit at bay, uh, different stuff like that. Uh, and he improved uh, leaps and bounds year over year, South Carolina year one, and then South Carolina year two. Definitely think he's draftable. I definitely think that there's that upside of potentially if if the light fully clicks for him, you might have a average to slightly below average starter in the NFL, but I do think either way Spencer Rattler's hanging around for a while as a backup. Um, the pocket passing thing is going to translate. Uh, I have Spencer Rattler at QB seven. I'm now very interested to see who you have bumped uh, <laughs> Rattler over. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll move on to the next guy in the consensus rankings, which is Michael Penix sitting at number six, the Washington quarterback for a couple of weeks was draft Twitter's darling where have you come out on Michael Penick since you, you've watched his tape now obviously we got up close exposure to him in Mobile do you agree with consensus are you lower are you higher where are you at on him
0: I've got him at QB5 right now and really this comes down to he's at the top of a massive tier break and you know, everybody knows the top four guys in this class, and I don't think Penix is is in that class. And really, where Penix comes in at, being the QB5 for me, and as I said, like, there's a massive tear break. Like, you do see the pluses in Penix's game in that, like, and my comp just kind of lays it out here. I think he's a poor man, Phillip Rivers. You're not going to get anything as far as rushing utility. He's not going to do a lot of things like outside of structure. He's a guy that's going to sit in the pocket. You need to have a good offensive line in front of him for him to really play his best. But the other parts about that is the arm talent is there, but... While I think that he does have a strong arm, and I'm not taking anything away from him, he's a max effort thrower. Like, he throws the ball like a freaking shot put, and that's where I come down Like the similarities to Phillip Rivers in the the mechanics of his wind-up and delivery. And where I think Pinnock succeeds is down the field, in the pocket. Now, if you—versus pressure, it could be an adventure for him. As well as, if you're talking about just progression through the play— we talked about this in Mobile, and, and nothing's changed this. If anything, Mobile showed this a little bit more because of Washington's system, a lot of like three-step drops, a lot of getting the ball out, or it was basically either get the ball out fast, or we're taking shots down the field, baby. We're going full YOLO. That in-between stuff where you're asking him to read the field or a five-step drop, and you're really asking him to operate more in a pro-style offense— That's where I see the late trigger come in from Michael Penix. He's more of a see it, throw it guy. He's not a guy that's hitting guys at the top of their stem before they come out of their breaks and hitting them in step. It's really, you know, wide receiver, just say like a wide receiver runs a comeback route. He gets to the top of stem. He comes back. He takes about two or three steps. Penix goes, oh, he's open pew, and shoots the ball over that way. He's not a guy where you're going to see him have the anticipatory throws. Does he do it from time to time? Yes. Is that a consistency in his game? And one of the worries for me, and we've seen guys like transition from see it, throw it guys to more anticipatory throwers, the guy right off the top of my head, and I'm not comparing the two, but to make that type of transition was Dak Prescott. Can Penix do that? Sure, it's possible. Like, we're not telling anybody those these kids can't grow and mature continuing at the NFL level in their games, but we're talking about where they are as a prospect right now, looking at the range of outcomes and the skills that they currently possess and what they need to work on, and that's really Penix's game in a nutshell for me.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. And and some context we have to bake in here. I started his career at Indiana, spent four years there, had a season-ending injury in every mm-hmm. single one of them. Two of them were knee injuries, the medicals are going to be super important uh, In Michael Penix's evaluation Debro and I are not doctors And we did not stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night So we we can't begin to to speak to that But you see the lack of mobility I don't know if that came from the knee I, You know, at in Indiana he was slightly more mobile But he, he was never like uh, super duper uh, good with that Whatever And it's not just, you you know, not winning outside the pocket Or not winning uh, breaking containment He doesn't really do stuff like that He doesn't throw on the run well in fact, when you when he loses his platform at all, that's where his game starts to crater as a thrower. Michael Penix, when he has that platform under him and he doesn't have to move, that's when he can start cooking. And he can become the rhythm thrower and different stuff like that. When things start to devolve, as you mentioned the pressure thing, you can push him off his spot. That's where we can start doing stuff. Because he has a really hard time just quickly, you know, getting to another read, getting the ball out, and he's not gonna beat anyone with his legs. So he has he has a, a difficulty uh, almost to the point of not being able to do it of, of buying second chances back there in the pocket. He needs to do a better job of like quickly identifying the, the tertiary, or the third, you know, whatever option getting the ball up because that's that's the only way you know his his secondary options whatever when there's there's that quick pressure to, to your he, point on that.
0: Yeah, he locks on his first read a Does. ton and a thousand percent, and that's something I wanted to bring up like when, when we're going back and forth about Penix is you see him lock onto his first read and he there's plays where he will not come off of it. And he'll just like fire it and force it in there. And you're talking about 50, 50 balls and it's like, there's something to be said for that type of aggression, but it's also, I think it's more of a fundamental result of that. He doesn't go through progressions. Well, because the other part that, and I'm, I'm sure you were about to just get to this Thor is that, Asking Michael Penix to read the middle of the field is also an adventure. There's times where he will not throw to the middle of the field until, like, if a, if a wide receiver is running a crosser, that wide receiver literally has to cross his face before he's like, oh, look at that guy, pew, and he throws it that way. But you won't see him see the guy identify him earlier in the progression and hit him on the run. So we're talking about shortcomings of his game. And the other thing I'll bring up here, man, is that with the idea of him being a see-it-throw-it guy... He limits yak opportunities for his wide receivers. He doesn't throw guys in stride. So you're talking about West Coast systems. I mean, you know, the low-hanging fruit is, is the 49ers, but a system like that really could hurt him where it's a lot of station-to-station things, and he he is the, the limiting factor with how he's playing quarterback in the yak opportunities that he's allowing his wide receivers and, and skill players to have.
1: Totally agree with that. Yeah, and a guy that played with three NFL receivers at Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys who made some really good plays for him. Now, I like Penix's arm. I, I agree with you about yeah, the, some. the wonky motion. He can get it out quick, I will say, despite the the fact that you know like when when the guy on Twitter did the thing where he flipped the screen so then it was Michael Penix as a right hander and it just looks so weird when he when he throws the ball whatever <laughs> but he does get the ball up quickly does not take many sacks at all uh, mm-hmm. and doesn't you know, admirably doesn't put the ball up for grabs I I would say as well I I like that stuff but you know when when you're thinking about teams where he's a fit for it's way more limited than with some of these other guys because you can't put Michael Penix in an offense where it asks the quarterback to get out onto the perimeter, bootleg, throw on the run. You can't do that. It has to be the pure pocket passing stuff. And by the way, he has to have a good offensive line in front of him and hopefully a couple of receivers that can get the separation. Like I totally agree with your take about that. the see a throw a guy, whatever the anticipatory thing is hopefully something that he'll develop. But He was in college for six years and does not have it yet. So you're sort of hoping and praying as as far as that goes. I had uh, uh, Penix. I also have him five in mind. So you and I have him in the same spot in our rankings, Uh, which brings us to Mr. Bo Nix, who in the consensus is QB five, an extremely polarizing uh, prospect. He came into this uh, process, Bo Nix did. A lot of people had him QB four on their list, um, you still see a lot of mock drafts out there where they have Bonix in the middle of the first round. That uh, confuses me, frankly, but how do you see it?
0: Uh, I'll lead this off right now, and maybe this is a hot take. I don't really care. Bo Nicks is my QB7. I've got him buried in my ranks. Mm. He's at the bottom of Tier 4 for me. I've got him below Michael Penix. i got him below Spencer Rattler. And I talked about this in Mobile. I'm going to say it again here. I think Bo Mix is should not be. He's not a first round quarterback talent. Let's get that out of the way. He's not. Is he a second? I I don't think he's a second. I think think he's he's a third. I think he's a third round quarterback talent. Now, do we see we see this every single year, Thor? One of these quarterbacks or multiple quarterbacks just because they are quarterbacks. And in really the thirst for the position, they get pushed up the board. And a lot of times it's false, you know? It, we, I mean, come on, let's just be kind of rewind. We could all talk about like, okay, Malik Willis falling on the board and other quarterbacks, Sam Howell falling on the board in that quarterback class. Pittsburgh Steelers, you happy with your first round selection of Kenny Pickett, who a guy that should have never have gone in the first round, you happy about that? guessing probably not because you're probably going to see another quarterback under under center for Pittsburgh this year so Nix is just the newest iteration of that he's the guy that's going to get pushed up the uh, up the board and he shouldn't be man I'm old enough to remember and people want to talk about oh well there's so much different version of Bo Nix from Auburn to Oregon like that's he's a totally different player no he's not He's not a totally different player. He played in a better system. system. It was all system. And we want to talk about these game manager guys and things like that. It's like bo Nix was operating in a system in oregon where it was literally three step drop get the ball out first read screens first read screens it was tailored to get the ball out of his freaking hands and everybody wants to talk about well he's first in all these completion rate metrics and he's he's really top of the board in pressure rates or pressure compl-. you can't be pressured if you're getting rid of the freaking ball as fast as you possibly can like bo Nix. Last year, amongst this quarterback class, all FBS quarterbacks with 150 or more dropbacks, Knicks has the fourth lowest ADOT, which is a screaming red flag. He has the ninth lowest time to throw, the ninth highest screen rate in FBS, and he led all of FBS in screen passing yards. If all of that doesn't say, okay, This guy is not who you think he is. And a lot of this is system and all these puffed up numbers that people talk about on their podcasts or talk about as far as like making the case for Bo Nix. We need to give context to those numbers because all those numbers are false window dressing.
1: A thousand percent. Yeah. You brought up the a dot and the time to throw, Uh, you know, I'll bring up a a different guy that we're not going to get to because he's not in either of our top tens, maybe just outside of it. Mm -hmm. Austin Rita, Western Kentucky. Yep. Everyone knows that Western Kentucky has an air raid offense that is super duper gimmicky. And so they're going to bring that up immediately when they talk about Austin Reed. And it's a fair point. Fair but point. Austin Reed, he had an 8.1 A dot. Bonix had a 6.8. And and like you mentioned, the 6.8 is bottom of the FBS. I mean, way down there. Uh, the time to throw thing, Austin Reed, 2.43 seconds per snap. Uh, Bonix was 2.44. On average, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's it, it's a gimmicky deal. uh Nicks, you know, another one, like, you look at big-time throws, you know, an, another one where you mm-hmm. can get this. bonix uh 4.1 big-time throw percent. I mean, Michael Penix, 7.3. Drake May, 7.5. Uh, uh, Daniels was, uh, was 8.4 this past year. Caleb Williams, 6.2. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on. Context he, with that, Thor? That big-time throw it.
0: rate in this class ranks 78th. So if we want to talk about all the numbers for Bo Nicks, let's talk about that one. How about we interject that into the conversation?
1: Yeah, and and a guy that we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, Jaden Daniels. So last in twenty twenty two, Jaden Daniels he had a two point nine big time throw rate. I don't want to get mm-hmm. too much into his eval, but before we get to him here in like ten minutes, but he had a two point nine coming into this season. You're and, and Jaden Daniels had done things to mitigate uh, putting the ball up and uh, for grabs, different stuff like that. That's what he was doing well twenty twenty two. But you wanted to see him. Can he get more of the aggression into his game, stuff like that, or mm-hmm. else? I'm Mm-hmm. Not going to trust him at this next level. Uh, Jaden Daniels went from two point nine his big time throw rate to the eight point four whatever. Ooh. Bo Nix went from three point seven in twenty twenty two to four point one. It's 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 just the same gimmicky <laughs> stuff. You put yep. the ball on the perimeter to Troy Franklin and he's breaking tackles. You do the screen the Buck Irving. It's just all that sort of uh, quick hitting concepts with really really good supporting talent around him. I credit Bo Nix from going from. Like, I'm sorry, but a train wreck at Auburn to becoming what he did at Oregon Mm -hmm. where they were competing. He went to the Heisman ceremony, everything like that. He ran their system very well. But here is the biggest takeaway point if you forget everything else that we just said about Bo Nix. You can't run the system and be viable that they did at Oregon in the NFL. You can't just throw perimeter screens a whole bunch. We're going to spread the field. He's going to get the snap. He's immediately going to turn to the left, do a funnel screen. Then we'll get the defense over that away. Now we're going to do it to the right. Now we're going to do a screen up the middle. But now we're going to do a slant to keep him off the tr- – the tr- you can't build an offense off that BS and then yak yardage. It's not going to translate. And, you know, th- there's an idea forwarded by people that like Bo Nix of – well, what, what happens when you put him in an offense where he gets a test downfield? I'll tell you what happens because I've seen it. It's the bonex at Auburn. He yep. stunk at that. He was bad. Yep. And there's a two-fold problem with that. Even the idea of making the logical leap of, well, now he we could. The, the Two problems. Number one... His arm is pretty solid intermediate. I think you would agree with this, DeBrow. Yeah, he knows zip. how to spin it. Good zip it, on good short zip. and intermediate. The, the mm-hmm. velo and different stuff like that. When he goes downfield, though, it is not a howitzer and a bazooka. He has to throw all of his body weight into it, yep. and you see balls that will flutter up there. You'll see errant balls. Balls that drift to the sideline, different stuff. Like, he has a hard time corralling the balls downfield because he's trying to get all that oomph into it to get it down there. I think problematic things come up uh, with regards to that. The other one is just merely the fact of having Bonick sit back there in the pocket, be allowed to survey his options, and trust him not to make a mistake, whether it's an errant throw, whether it's getting flustered into something, uh, different stuff like that. I don't trust his pocket presence when he has to hang back nope. there. And that was the biggest thing that Oregon's offensive system addressed for bow necks. It wasn't yep. Bonix's improvement that got him here. It's the fact that they never let him sit back there. It was just the, you know, all that quick-hitting concepts like we talked about. And when he did get to throw down the field, that's when the defense is already concerned about the running attack of a Buck Yervin, Jordan James, and then all that quick-hitting stuff to all the the really good receivers they had. They had multiple tight ends that could play as well. Then, you know, occasionally they would give him that shot. But like in an offense where it calls for it consistently see consistently and you want to attack all three levels, I don't trust him with that stuff. So that's that's where we fall on Bo Nix. I have Bo Nix at QB6. Debro, you have him at seven. Uh, er, at, at QB7. So we're a little bit lower than the consensus, which has him at 5. We're about to get into the fun stuff, the top four quarterbacks. But we, but before we do, I wanted to uh, bring up Reality Sports Online for you guys. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online. It's the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. You have free agency, you have multi-year contracts, you have a rookie draft, you have multi-team trades, that would be awesome in the NFL, D-Bro, if we had multi-team trades. That's <laughs> something we could bring in. Franchise takes, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? Wow. Well, I think it sounds fun, but it's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or your league today. That's promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today day fantasy just got real at reality sports online.com let's talk about the top four quarterbacks in this mm-hmm. class this is where it gets super interesting the entire rest of the draft will play out based on the decisions that teams make with these four quarterbacks it's like the the butterfly effect thing whatever we'll start with the number four quarterback in the consensus rankings michigan's jj mccarthy a guy who Seems to, in the past week, have seen a bit of a, a stock surge as some people are yeah. getting into his film a little bit more. Hmm. Uh, banging the drum. I've been banging the drum for J.J., as you know. But, D. Bro, I, I don't know if the, everyone has heard all your J.J. McCarthy takes. I know you put out a tweet or two about him. Tell the people about J.J. McCarthy and what you think about him.
0: Dude, he's, um, let's throw, start this off the right way. Uh, let's give him proper respect. J.J. McCarthy is my QB2 in this class. So... <clears throat> He is QB four in consensus. I have him QB two. And for everybody, let's let's again, let's start this off the right way. If you're going to come at me about any JJ McCarthy type of conversation, and you're starting that conversation with counting stats, go ahead see the door. You you could see the door. Go ahead, see the door. Come back, come back whenever you've got a better evaluation process. Because if that's where we're starting the conversation at. I've got questions about how you're evaluating quarterbacks just off the jump because look at J.J. McCarthy's numbers, Thor. Last year, amongst all FBS quarterbacks with at least 150 dropbacks, this man was 10th in PF at passing grade, 4th in adjusted completion rate, 11th in yards per attempt, 26th in big-time throw rate. He was also 3rd in deep ball adjusted completion rate and 4th against pressure as far as completion rates go. And what we see in McCarthy is not only is he smart with the football, he is a playmaker from the pocket. He's adept at buying time with his legs. He is, going, he is willing to go off script if needed. He'll move around in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and snap off a rocket. This guy has got a cannon for an arm. He throws a ton of stuff online. His entire film is littered with dots and if you want to talk about like the box score versus the reality of how good he played quarterback just i I will charge you go watch the game versus nebraska that game itself in in 2023 that game itself he's not going to wow you with the box score numbers but that game we saw jj mccarthy Fit in tight window throws in between multiple defenders. I think it was a touchdown, Roman Wilson that was beautiful. There was also multiple times where he was outside the pocket, changing arm angles, throwing around defenders, and deal and showing the parts of his evaluation that people do not give him credit for. So I, I just I think that we are mischaracterizing who JJ McCarthy is based off accounting stats. My comp. Your comp because we well, didn't did, talk about this. So yeah, no, I need to bury this a little bit. Let's bury yeah. this a little bit. You tell me your thoughts about JJ McCarthy, and then we'll get into the comp that both of us arrived. <laughs> Again, we talk about midnight conversation store. Yeah. Both of us arrived at this comp for Rich. I can't
1: tell you. I can't say it. Well, he you, did, in you, comp you, 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 you just talking. gave it away. I'm, I'm just going to set it up. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, go ahead. so over the weekend, <laughs> I I was on. Uh, I, I went to a, a, a live show and and went up on stage and and you know I'm in Minnesota, so and people have seen my JJ McCarthy take by this point. So so some of the Vikings fans are getting excited, whatnot. And I was asked that day, "Who is your comp for JJ McCarthy?" And I kept hedging and hedging, more mm-hmm. More saying, you know, this is a guy who's been comp to. I don't like that comp for that reason. Here's another comp that, that's out there. I don't like it for that reason. And they kept pushing me. Give us your comp. Give <laughs> us your comp. And I, I didn't want to sit because he's a super difficult guy to comp uh, for a reason that mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk about here in a second. But they were pushing me and pushing me. And finally, I just said, Rich Gannon at his apex. yes. Rich yes. Gannon at his apex. However, Rich Gannon, it took him years to get his shot. He was way further behind mm-hmm. on the developmental uh, line of continuum. So it's not perfect in terms of that. But in terms of the play style, that's what, like think about when Rich Gannon was awesome. That's what you're getting if J.J. McCarthy hits his ceiling. Similar body type. You have a guy, and Debra, we, we agreed on this, a guy that we think would run in the high four fives if yep. he... Does end up testing. And the uh um over the summer, I think the uh the scouting service the NFL has, they put a four six on him. But we've seen uh we've we've seen some reports that he was running faster in their facility, yep. stuff like that. Four just, four
0: I, and four five from
1: reports yeah, I've seen. Ju- just from his tape, I would be surprised if he is not in the four fives. He is super fast. Uh, I put out a tweet on Twitter uh, today. I, I, you know, like every day you see something with his film where you're like, that's really cool. True freshman season. He gets in, he's running out of the pistol with Blake Corum behind him. And they, they ran this play against Iowa in the big 10 title game, but they got this big hole. And so Corum is now up the field. He hands it off to Corum. JJ McCarthy runs from behind this play. And zooms past Blake Corum, like 40, 45 <laughs> yards upfield. So he could make a block at like the 15-yard line of two guys where McCarthy gets it. So he runs around Corum. He's faster than Blake Corum, for sure. Gets around Corum. And then there was two dudes who were descended on him around the sideline. And McCarthy basically acted like a human shield. And so then, you know, Corum is able to get in. The athleticism is there. One thing, d I think you didn't go quite far enough. And and so I have to about his game, and this is this gets into the Rich Gannon thing. I think JJ McCarthy is a potential prodigy of an off-script, off-platform, out of the pocket, throwing on the run quarterback prospect. Yes, sir. You don't see those skills that you see on JJ McCarthy's tape in those areas with other dudes, it's truly special. It's not just the uh, athleticism. It's not just the mobility. It's not just the vision and the sense to know when is the appropriate time to break containment, get out on, on the perimeter, different stuff like that. It's also, um, I, I saw a former Michigan player had, had brought, and this is a great point. J.J. McCarthy always, even when he's on the move, even when he's running fairly fast to, you know, to get around a free rusher, whatever mm-hmm. it is, he always keeps that upper body cocked to throw. And his eyes downfield. So he's always like this gun that's ready to fire, even when you have to account for his legs. And this is where he gets really dangerous. When you start thinking about his projection to the NFL, you start getting really excited. Because you'll see on tape he all of a sudden he's outside of the pocket and that linebacker that's out there, you know, he's thinking like, Oh man, I got to crash down or else this dude who runs a a four or five or maybe even low four fives or wherever it is there, he's going to break containment. I've seen this on our film study and he's going to be on the open field. He's going to take 15 yards real quick and then he'll get out of bounds or he will slide whatever. He'll steal that. If I don't crash down on him, then he comes down. All of a sudden now you have more spacing and McCarthy throws these friggin' frozen robes. I, I've seen people on Twitter that were uh, nitpicking his arm strength, and even worse, trying to suggest that he does not have have a strong arm. And I think that comes, one, from what you're talking about, the box score scouting, and also they, they just haven't, haven't seen him, whatever. And And the fact that when you did see Michigan, they weren't taking these egregious shots downfield a bunch, mostly because... They were really good, in part because of J.J. McCarthy. They would get leads. They wouldn't have to take these crazy chances, whatever. You can't knock that dude's arm. You don't see – like, you'll see J.J. McCarthy do the thing where he he's running to the right, whatever. He's surveying his options. All of his momentum, body weight going to the one side. And all of a sudden, all the way downfield, 30 yards downfield, but to the left side, uh, on the outside of the left hashes, he'll see someone down there emerge open, whatever, mm-hmm. and he will throw it across his body on a friggin' line frozen rope all the way across the field against his body weight. You don't see guys that even notice that that guy, that they could throw to him. Certainly, they wouldn't have the gumption for it, nor the arm. You you don't make that throw or throws like that. Again, you mentioned it, littered on his film, without having a really, really snappy arm. He has no problems with the arm strength thing. He can make every single throw. And that special sauce of J.J. McCarthy's to find the answer to the question in the moment when everything is breaking down, sort of the opposite thing that we were talking about, Penix, that we were nitpicking him about, mm-hmm. with McCarthy. That is his special sauce. He is going to figure it out, and he's not going to put the, the ball in harm's way. And, Debro, the, the last point I'll, I'll I'll do about this, so I don't just take an hour talking about J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned people, they'll bring up his counting stats and, and stuff like that to, to disparage him. It's not that you can't talk about statistics when you're discussing J.J. McCarthy. It's mm-hmm. that they're discussing the wrong ones, the ones that don't matter that, that, you know, where it's based on scheme, it's based on game script, whatever you just look at the other stats, the stats that matter. And all of a sudden JJ McCarthy starts shining, including above some of these guys who everyone says are, are the top three guys. Mm-hmm. Debro, let me ask you a trivia question. There's only one quarterback in this entire class who is above the 70th percentile in standard dropback percentile, add or be on the sticks percentile, avoids a negative play percentile, under pressure percentile, outside the pocket percentile, third and fourth down percentile, and positive, p- positively graded throw percentile. That's seven different categories. Name that quarterback who is 70% or above in each one of them. Uh, Well, Alex, uh, I think that'll be J.J. McCarthy. (laughs) Not only is it J.J. McCarthy, just for context, there's not another quarterback in this class who's even 55th or above in all seven. (laughs) McCarthy's 72nd or 72nd is his worst percentile (laughs) in those. You're you're just not looking at the correct stat.
0: I I don't disagree with any of that. Just to put the final bow on our J.J. McCarthy love letter, uh, (laughs) just yes, if you Google um, Rich Gannon, Four, five, eight, 40 time at the combine. Yeah. We've already He'll talked right about around. JJ McCarthy's probably going to run in the, in the mid four or fives. All these other comps out there that I've heard so far, Kirk Cousins, some other ones floating out yeah. there, they He's more don't than give
1: that. exactly. They do not yeah.
0: give enough. Better throw around the run, too. Nod to
1: how athletic he is. Thousand percent, super, super duper underrated athlete, super mm-hmm. underrated in a, in, a, in a whole bunch of different areas. I think as pe- more people get into the tape, you're going to see JJ McCarthy rise. When really this Agreed. is just the, du- the dude he is. It's just people haven't gotten into the tape yet. So DeBrow has him uh QB two. I have him. I have McCarthy QB three. Moving on, DeBrow, to the consensus QB three on the consensus board. LSU's Jaden Daniels, a guy who earlier in his career. Handpicked by a different NFL head coach to run his offense, Herm Edwards back at Arizona State. When Herm brought Jaden Daniels in and played him right away, he was this tall string bean who was super athletic, had a solid arm, but was as raw as could possibly be. But Herm Edwards was like, "I believe in this guy," and and yada yada. And they they sort of went through the growing pains for a couple of years. Then, uh, obviously, the stuff that happened with Herm, there was some scandal there, and everyone got fired and different stuff like that. And Jaden Daniels ends up at LSU when right after they had hired Brian Kelly. LSU was talking, by the way, at the same time to Lincoln Riley, who I mentioned before. Different reality sliding doors. You might have seen Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams at LSU. You might have seen Jaden Daniels go somewhere else. It would have been interesting to see if Jaden Daniels, his game had had skyrocketed up in the past two years, if he'd gone somewhere else, but it did. He he found himself with Brian Kelly. And the the first year, 2022, you saw a big jump up in his play. This past season, though, he went nuclear. D-Bro, tell us what you like about Jaden Daniels.
0: All right, so I'm going to preface this before I people get insane about what I'm about to say here. You talked about these top four quarterbacks of this class and how you can approach them and how people are going to rank them. I look at these four guys are in a tier by themselves. I do not look at them as having that far of differentiating skill sets or upside to where this one guy is just head and shoulders well, well, better than d- the others.
1: Different, different skill sets, but qualitatively very close. Right. Yes, that's, yes. What that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. Like
0: yeah. I look at any one of these guys, like if you're asking who are my tier one quarterbacks right now, I could drill it down to my top two guys, but really at the bar- the broader scope of this, all four of these quarterbacks that are at the top of this class, and everybody knows that, are in one tier by themselves, So just to mention that here, we're going to talk about everybody else's QB1 a little bit later in this show, but I'm going to tell you right now, Jaden Daniels is my QB1 of this class. I freaking love Jaden Daniels. His tape is littered with anticipatory throws, easy velocity, flick of the wrist, 45, 50 yards down the field. And we're not even talking about his skill set as a rusher. Now, there are certain parts of his game, like, do I want him out there in the middle of the field taking off and absorbing these massive hits? No. He needs to protect himself better as a rusher. Duck outside of bounds. You know, if you're going to go over the middle of the field, slide. Please slide. Because the, the build and his slider frame, and now, can he gain 5-10 pounds at the NFL level in an NFL strength program? Yes, I think it's probably going to happen. But if you're looking at the, the totality of his skill set, His quarterback play is refreshing, man. Out of all of these guys, and we could bucket these guys, whether you want to talk about him, we're going to talk about him later, Joe Milton, Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, a lot of these guys that are first read, quick passing, first read, screens, all that type of stuff. Jane Daniels consistently operated in a pro-style offense. Were there RPO elements, things like that? Sure. But he went through progressions, does it extremely well, and you're seeing there are a ton of, of reps on film where he's got quiet feet in the pocket, he's getting to his third read consistently he managed to get to his next read per pff on 14.8 percent of his dropbacks this is not a quarterback we're going to talk about that gets tunnel vision and locked onto his first read which again you talk about Penix, you talk about knicks you can bring up those things there's other quarterbacks in this class you can bring that up you cannot bring that up in the same sentence as Jaden daniels so we've already talked about the ability with his legs we talked about the ability with his arm, and he is a truly anticipatory passer. This guy is hitting wide receivers before they cut loose out of the brakes, before the top of their stem. He is the guy that if you're in a timing-based offense, you're going to love Jaden Daniels because he's going to fit into that type of offense. And I want to mention this last before I t- kick this to you, Thor. Jaden Daniels is a guy that doesn't even need to use his legs to be a first round talent right now in this class. You want to talk about just his ability for the pocket who he can, he can consistently win from the pocket on every single snap. He is a pocket quarterback that also happens to have Sonic the Hedgehog type of legs. So does he need that type of rushing utility to be like, Oh my Lord, look at Jaden Daniels. no. He can win from the pocket. He's proficient from the pocket. He can make every freaking throw that you need, and he is a downfield, go ball, deep ball assassin.
1: 1,000%. You and I now have the same comp on Jaden Daniels, just like we did on, (laughs) on McCarthy. Except in this case, it was because you gave me a comp, and I was like, that's perfect. And <laughs> and I hadn't seen that anywhere. And uh-huh. I was struggling with Jaden Daniels to, to comp him. And then you tossed this name out and I was like, that's, that's it. And I immediately stole and told you I was going to steal. Tell people who you comp Daniels to.
0: Randall Cunningham, man. as a guy that people talked about the frame. Now in the context of this, does he have the raw arm strength that Cunningham had? No, I don't think he's on that level, but he's not far off of a dude
1: pretty close though right pretty I mean, close pretty yeah pretty close not only can Daniels get it down there he has that sort of beautiful uh rainbow type arc to it and the way he plays his balls downfield is eye-opening uh he can like and you don't want to you don't want to give him like you know encourage this a ton because uh you know it could get you into bad habits in the NFL if it went too far. But I saw that guy beat double coverage downfield multiple times of just dropping it in, you know, in the bucket or whatever, or fitting it into a window, whatever. And then certainly downfield up to the top of the intermediate sector and different stuff like that. You mentioned how good he is in the pocket. Some he's gotten way better at. He was terrible in the pocket at Arizona State. And I've talked about this uh, in other shows and, and different stuff like this about how he always had all the tools But at Arizona State, the game was moving too fast for him. And the second he would start to get pressure or he would sort of lose his process because of that – it was like this chain uh, reaction where everything it would start to devolve. He would forget his mechanics. He would, uh, uh, you know, start uh, thinking about, you know, like uh, uh, the, the plan of attack wouldn't be there as far as the second one. And all of a sudden, you, you have like a chicken with his head cutting off, uh, running around or, or whatever. And you'd see Aaron throws. You would see some terrible decisions uh, where he'd throw it right into the chest plate of a linebacker, different stuff like that. Or he'd take an enormous hit. Or he'd, you know, he'd get strip sacked from behind when he should have been. Taking care of it, you don't see it, like these past couple years, but especially this last year, you you literally don't see that. It is not only is it night and day; you wouldn't you you just wouldn't recognize the Jaden Daniels from Arizona State against the Jaden Daniels from LSU because the game has slowed down so much for him that now his physical skill set is allowed to shine, right? Because he doesn't have to think about that stuff, and the Mm -hmm. other stuff isn't devolving. It's just he can take full advantage. Um, There's a great anecdote about how this happened, where LSU has this simulator that they would put him into and he would get to see all the defense, get to have all the plays, see what the coverage would be, like whatever, have his whole alignment out there, and then they would run simulated plays, and he was supposed to denote the pressure, where's my first read, is it there, is that guy covered, do I have to go to the second one, the third one, whatever. You know, he started doing this, Jaden Daniels did when he got to LSU, they said by the time he left, they had sped the thing up every single time to either one and a <laughs> half or even double the speed. He was playing games on fast forward before they started. And so mm. it's no wonder when he goes out there and he's slicing and dicing Alabama, slicing and dicing Ole Miss, like, I mean, a procession, he was just burning it down wherever he went or whatever. That's why, Debro, that one of the things that, that we talked about when we talked about on the phone the first time, how quiet his feet are in the pocket He's so just composed. so freaking so man
0: because
1: he knows if he's he, if if it's there he's going to kill you. But he can also wait for a bit, right? Because he knows that acceleration that he has out of the pocket, he just squirts right out, right? Like he tucks yep. and then he's out, and and all of a sudden he's in the second level before you you know the defensive backs have even turned around. And now you got a problem because you got a guy who is either low 4-4s four or high 4-3s in speed, in my opinion. Who, just who just is seeing saying the kid run straight up. 21
0: on. miles an hour in LSU practices, too. Flies. So yeah, the 4-4 four four speed is Flies. freaking real, man.
1: I love him when he's in the pocket. I love his game in the pocket. I love his composure in the pocket now. And the fact that he keeps his base under him. Just a very small thing for him to work on as he goes to the NFL is the second Daniels pulls it. And I don't have a qualm about when he does. I want to be very clear about this. Even though he's an awesome runner, it's not, you know, you you hear about this in the past with some super mobile guys of like, oh, you know, the first second of danger, he's out of there. That's not Daniels. He will wait in there as as long as he can. But when he tucks, he's always running. He, Mm -hmm. Daniels doesn't, he uses his legs to beat you down the field, right? Like as a runner, I would like to see him use his legs a bit more in the pocket, manipulating that, resetting, uh, so we can buy him some more time because he's such a good thrower. Um, and I also want him to be able to keep the defense off the beat of ascent when he does pull it down, because right now, if, if that part of his game remained in NFL scouting reports every week, you're going to see uh, the defensive coach telling their guys, the second you see that ball go down, peel off and, and start crashing downhill because now we have to corral this guy. I'd just like to see a tad more nuance with that. But as far as the the killer as a thrower, as far as being awesome as a scrambler, the quiet feet, the year-over-year progression, or the, the improvement year-over-year-over-year. I mean, now it's like this, this developmental arc just shooting up all that different stuff is just aces with him, so I will absolutely not put it past him to improve on some of these nuances we're talking about. He's already yep. he's already mastered a, a whole bunch of other things that we never thought he was going to be good at. Debra, you have him as the QB1 right now. I have him as QB2, uh, but I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility that he will not end as my QB1 in this class. Mm-hmm. I love Jaden Daniels this game. Uh, moving on to the second consensus quarterback on the overall board at this moment, is Drake may a guy that I mentioned before has been QB two basically since the end of the 2022 season or in the latter stages of it. The second that you move on to to that draft class projecting forward, it's like, yeah, it's going to be Caleb one. Then it's going to be Drake may two. That is still holding serve in terms of the court of public opinion um, you might've, you might've, uh, already, uh, sort of tipped off where you're going with this. Cause you, some of the other rankings before this, but curious how you see that you, you're someone that, that covers the NFL so close during the season, you don't get t- like dragged into some of these narratives. Like someone like myself does who covers college football every single day and, and you know, whatever. So you come into the tape with fresh eyes on these guys. And, and that's sometimes you have, you have different takes. Curious what you saw when you broke down Drake May's film.
0: Yeah, uh, Drake May is my QB four of the class, and this is not to say I don't like Drake May. I like Drake May. I think we just have to understand who Drake May is. I don't see a lot of the rushing utility uh, translating to the NFL. I heard the same things about Sam Howell as he coming out as a prospect, and people are like, "Oh, the rushing, the rushing." Yeah, you didn't see that translate to the NFL, did you? I don't think we're going to see that for Drake May either, as a guy that really is going to have to make his, he's going to have to cash his paycheck every single week from the pocket. Now. Can he offer you some off-script ability? Yeah, that's in the, that's in his bag. He can do that. He can roll out. He can boot. The the things about Drake May's game, and the first thing that I want to bring up here is that there's just easy velocity, Thor. Like, the guy is just a downfield sniper. Like, you're looking at a player in Drake May that, was over the last two years, was 11th and 8th in adjusted completion rate on downfield throws, so... That is where I think he's really going to allow himself a ceiling in the NFL is put him into an offense where they're going to stretch the field. That is something he's going to be consistently asked to do because he can do it. Now, can he mitigate pressure? Can he play off script? Yes. There are also parts of his game, like you'll see some reps where he'll bail clean pockets. You'll see other reps where he's in scramble mode. And this is something that I wanted to bring up, especially because Drake May's off script ability is going to get talked about a lot in this process. And I'm not saying he doesn't have that ability, but the limiting factor that I saw, at least on some reps for Drake May, when he does go off script and we're entering scramble mode, is that he'll get locked on to one player. In that process, and he's like, he's rotating towards one side of the field, he's locked onto one receiver. You don't see that on some of these other guys, like especially we wanna talk about JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy, whenever he's in off script mode and he is he's basically he's he's the painter, and now he's gonna sit here and and what he's gonna do with the canvas in front of him. Drake May, that canvas is half the size or a third or the fourth of the size of somebody like JJ McCarthy or some of these other quarterbacks. He'll lock onto one wide receiver and either he completes the play and you'll see, like, okay, there, here's a splash play, or he has to chuck it out of bounds. He limits himself in in terms of he's now become the painter that decided that I'm gonna work with a smaller canvas and not use the entire field. So I like Drake may and he has all the arm talent to make all the throws in the NFL. He's a guy that I think we're going to talk about. The athleticism is going to be a little bit overblown. The rushing ability is going to be a little bit overblown, but can he win from the pocket? Does he have the arm talent to make all the throws? Yes. So I like Drake may he's a, he's a through and through a first round quarterback talent, a mid to high end first round quarterback talents. So I don't want to take anything away from this in my QB four ranking of him versus QB two in consensus.
1: So I also have Drake may as QB four. And I also want to give a little bit of, of context there as far as saying like that might be, you know, if like, if it was right now, I'm making my big board. He might be number four overall, on my big board, just the way that Agreed. I do it. I mean, like I, and I do project him to be a good NFL starter. I just think we got four dudes in this. Class. Agreed. Big yeah, and, agree. and he's one. Yeah, and I, and and I, I think I speak for you too, D bro, in saying this. We don't. This is going to come across as a scandalous take. Both of us ranking. We, I mean, we each got to this conclusion independently. But ranking him QB four, and what I don't want to get lost in there is we both really like uh, Drake May. It's just JJ McCarthy sort of blew both of our socks off, and then you have the the two other guys. Whatever. Um, but Drake May is really good, and to to return to a point I was talking about before, these four quarterbacks are all so different, and it for me qualitatively it's very close there when you uh, literally with all four of them, and with in some cases you might parse the tiebreaker as this is my system, like this is the this guy is a better fit for my system. I don't know how some of these NFL teams will will end up seeing it. Um, but you know that's sort of how I see it as as far as Drake may goes. I totally agree with what you're saying i I think his athleticism has been a bit overblown when really people should be talking about McCarthy as that guy, but Drake yes. may he ended up piling up some rushing yards and you you brought up a great piece of context on that in a similar way that that Sam Howell didn't, and so he gets some credit for that. Drake may not a bad athlete, but that's not a part of his game that um you know is going to be crazy dangerous at the next level he can steal some yards as a runner when he tucks. you can also put him on some design concepts I'll say very tough kid very tough kid uh you know he is not the pre he he came in as, as a big time recruit and obviously had success right away um but he's not like he's not a guy that is shying away from contact at all Drake may Uh, Some of my notes, uh, big strapping pocket passer with a huge arm, has enough athleticism to force defenses to account for him as a runner, will tuck and run, and can be used on design concepts as well. When he has his base under him, he is extremely accurate, particularly appreciate his downfield touch, numerous instances of testing double coverage, winning due to his combination of power and touch, uh, fitting balls into very uh, small spots down the field. You want him in the pocket. Uh, Debra, this will go to exactly what you were talking about. He needs that platform under him. Uh, Anything the defense can do to affect that increases the odds of an inaccurate throw. Something I noticed on his film, his accuracy can be affected by pressure um, in a couple different ways. Right when it's in in his face, you'll notice that his his base can get a little bit wonky or he speeds up his process. That's where you start to see the ball dying before it gets there or the ball going left to right. Uh, mm-hmm. because he, he, the, it's like the spat up. Pro- oh, I got to get it out. Got to get it out. And now he's not Especially minding
0: interior pressure. I want to make, bring that, bring that, that up. Was, that, A lot of those reps are interior pressure when it happens.
1: I saw some other instances beyond even that. Cause that's like the overt, like, oh, you know, the guy's about to hit him. So, you know, like whatever. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing I noticed is like when the pocket was, uh, collapsing on him, but the pressure wasn't there quite yet. I also notice a propensity of him to speed up his process in terms of that. And I noticed some errancy there too. He'll bail where some of those
0: pockets. He, he'll, he'll leave some of those pockets or that. where it's
1: where it's like, it's workable
0: and he could step up in the pocket. He'll yes. bail. He'll, he'll roll out of those pockets sometimes. Now it's, it's not a consistent thing, but it does happen.
1: That's a part of his game. He needs to get better at, right? Yep. Cause you're going to make your living in the NFL from the pocket. The things of the pocket manipulation, the things of like, yeah, Kid, the the pocket is collapsing, but there's not someone who is about to sack you right now. You have about another second. You can you can set your feet and then square your shoulders and then throw whatever. You don't need to speed it up, like you know whatever, because your accuracy is, is is getting wonky when you do that. The, those are a couple of things that he needs to work on, but love the arm. He's athletic enough. He, The frame is obviously ideal, everything like that. I understand why people like him. I just have a couple more of the questions, and, and I think the utility is a little more... <laughs> limited in some of these regards and for instance jj mccarthy you're not going to win outside the pocket you're you're drake may you can't do some of these different concepts he can't find some of these answers in the moment when everything's breaking down around him um for for those reasons i go mccarthy drake may as a what would have been his sophomore year uh i think he was technically a redshirt uh, freshman but in 2022 he started out the year was just destroying worlds he was absolutely amazing and in the last uh, two to three games, I forgot what, when the cutoff was, he struggled down the stretch. It was like once we got to like mid-November, the end of his season, it was it was something totally different. And now he was struggling. Well, what was happening was um, there was a team that he played in mid-November. I wish I could remember exactly what team in 2022 this was. But they had a brilliant idea. Let's just drop eight every time. Every time he goes back to the we're dropping eight. And Drake May saw the eight guys out there and was like, what the hell do I do? It was like he had landed on the moon and you started to see the Sam Howell things uh, of like, I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Panicking and just I'm talking and running. Um, and so the, the passing stats came way down. Uh, he obviously wasn't comfortable testing the windows, whatever. It was just like all his zones were flooded. Wasn't seeing the receivers open, whatnot. That happened down the stretch there in 2022. And then over the off season, Phil Longo who has worked with you know a bunch of NFL quarterbacks? Going you know, Matt Corral's guy before that, whatever. Sam Howell. Um, he goes from UNC to Wisconsin and joins Luke Fickle's staff. Then they had a new offensive coordinator, a guy who not as well respected uh, in terms of like schematics and stuff like that. And it's like, well, Drake May, you're a stud. Like, elevate your game. Show that you can winning this other system, uh, more of the stuff not handed to you on a platter like it was in that Longo system. And I didn't see that. I, I saw a bit of regression from Drake May this year. Uh, avoids negative play percentile for Drake May, forty-six percentile. Under pressure, 51st percentile. Outside the pocket where we agree he, he doesn't win, that bears out in the stats, forty-six percentile. You know, just just some, some different stuff like that. Again, these are super nitpicky things, but that's that's just what I see. And I have them seen 4 as the- well
0: that's going to affect the range of outcomes and his overall ceiling. And we have to bring up, and it's not because we're trying, we're trying to shade these kids. It's because we're going to talk about like the range of outcomes, because here's the thing. Not everybody that goes to the freaking NFL is going to be an all pro. If that's the case, then what are we even talking about here? You know, so we have ranges of outcomes with all of these players. Can they actualize their ceilings? What are the parts of their games? I'm not going to say where they, they're bad or their weaknesses. Where are the areas that they can improve in their games to really actualize that ceiling?
1: But we both, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we agree, Drake May, overall top eight. Prospect overall oh, yeah. in the class or six. So, I think you, know, you can easily just stack these even though quarterbacks we're sick, at the very
0: top and just put them number one, two, three, four overall on your board. You know that I would not push back against anybody doing that.
1: Thousand percent. Uh, last but not least, moving to the consensus QB one, he has mm-hmm. been the consensus QB one for a long time now. USC's Caleb Williams. What did you think about him, D bro? And where do you have him ranked?
0: I got him at QB three, and I know people are going to sit here and hate it. I know people are going to push back about that. And again, I'm going to point right back to the, the the point we made earlier in this show: the top four QBs in this class. I look at them as one long tier. So don't get it twisted. Don't talk about oh, well, I'm just trying to throw this out here just for clicks, or I'm trying to do this out here to be hyperbolic. No, when you look at Caleb Williams and the overall totality of his game. Does he have a wider range of outcomes than, say, McCarthy and Jaden Daniels? I think he does. Now, if you were to say, oh, "I'm going to watch all of his 22 tape, 2022 tape, and I'm not going to care about 2023," you'd have a very, very different conversation, Thor. We'd be talking about, "Oh, well, all of the hiccups and the and." The, the worries that we have about some of the things that Caleb Williams did in 2023, those don't exist. So would he be my clear-cut, top-of-the-shelf, QB1 of this class without, a, without any type of question? Sure. But, hey, guess what? 2023 did happen. You could try to will it away. You could try to erase it. You could try to pretend like none of it happened, but it did. So we have to discuss it. In 2023, Caleb Williams, lesser lesser skill players around him and stuff. You didn't see wide receivers getting in and out of their breaks as well, getting open as well. So a lot of this, like, Caleb Williams gunslinger mentality, this super playmaker and his ability to play off a script, a lot of that turned into, I'm going to play hero ball. And so he's bailing some clean pockets. He's also, the other part, and this is the part where it gets worrisome is that in that type of system, basically in 2023, what you saw from Caleb Williams, are those bad habits going to translate to the NFL, which all three or four of these teams at the top of the board, are we going to talk about any of those teams having illustrious offensive lines? Are we going to talk about any of those teams or his possible landing spots? Even if we say he goes with cliff to Washington, like we talked about when we discussed betting odds, Even if he goes there, was the commander's offensive line just a mauler unit last year? Are we so just enamored with how much protection and time Caleb Williams would have in the pocket in Washington, in Chicago, in New England? No. So these parts of of his game and these worries from 2023 have to be discussed in the context of What did 2023 look like? And what does that look like projecting the NFL? Are these new bad habits that stay and hang around because of the speed of the game is going to speed up going from college to the NFL, learning a new system, having new parts and pieces around you, having a new offensive coordinator. If it's not Washington, all of those parts have to get brought up. Does Caleb Williams have special talent? Yes. Does he have a cannon? Yes. Can he make ridiculous plays off script? Yes. But some of those things, can hurt him as well where he's bailing clean pockets he's missing wide receivers in his progression he's not throwing to underneath options that are wide open in 2023 where he could have easy completions is he forcing double coverage go balls down the freaking field yes so some of these bad habits are they ingrained are they part of what we're going to see in the nfl can he re Acclimate himself and get more of that tempered aggression back from 2022. It is very possible. And if that is the case, he will be the QB one of this class, he will bury every single person that did not rank him as the QB one of this class. But can I definitively right now say on air to you, Thor, that I have no questions about Caleb Williams game that I, I will rank him at QB one because the consensus is going to turn it a volume up to 11 and bury anybody that doesn't do that? No, I have questions about his game. And that's why he is not as of right now recording this right now. That is why he is not my QB one. Is he really freaking talented? And can he be that it's possible?
1: Yeah, I think where where we agree on this prospect is th- it's there's more risk in the profile I think than has been forwarded out there because the way that yes. he was depicted is like oh this is Cam miss. he's got to be there's you know it's a no doubter at one and you know he's gonna be the superstar whatever there's some risk there uh you, you know not you know excessive whatever but there's there is some because you have you have some of those bad habits and things that I like about him. I think I I had a a thing in my, my, he plays with an effortless air um, and he, he trusts what he's seeing so much, right? Like, and, and when things are going well, everything's clicking and everything looks natural. Right. And that's where the, the ceiling comes into play. And it's like, I don't know how you defend this guy, but when it's going the other way, sometimes, I mean, there was a couple games last year where he did not play particularly well, when mm-hmm. when that stuff isn't going as well and now it's like do you, you know is the, you trust the eyes that you know making a mistake with the reads a different stuff like that forcing the ball uh like you mentioned 2022 he was absolutely aces he regressed a little bit in 2023 i mean mm-hmm. it just is what it is and i think it's fair context because he lost you know jordan addison for instance receiving mm-hmm. court wasn't quite as good but jj mccarthy didn't have a killer of a receiving core. I mean, JJ McCarthy had Roman Wilson and then the other guys were Drake. May didn't either want to
0: talk about Tez Walker and all those guys there. Mm. Your boy. Nah. Your my boy, boy. Tez. Don't put that on me.
1: <laughs> but yeah, with, you know, as far as Caleb, so I am still ranking him as QB one. It is closer for me though. Like this is not a no doubter. Mm-hmm. And, and I still absolutely might switch it, but on that upside, you know, when, again, when you see the, those flash, and he had a, a ton of them over the last couple you know, this year as well. It was just yep. this year, the consistency, it just vacillated. And that's the stuff he's going to have to address, crop out some of those bad habits, whatever. But the ceiling of this prospect to me is the highest in the class. Um, that's, I, I'm still going off, off the ceiling on this, but I do think that there's a little mm-hmm. bit more risk, uh, just because of the things that we're talking about, The consistency, consistency needs to get better with, with Caleb Williams. And I, I, do wonder Debra, about what you're talking about too, you go to the NFL, maybe the supporting cast isn't very good. Cause obviously you're not going to be, you're getting picked by a great franchise right to start. You have to be the impetus of this thing turning around. Then you're wondering last year, you know, just a couple guys leave. And all of a sudden the thing devolves into seven and five. USC looked listless a lot of weeks, but now he's going to be going to a, a, another franchise that's even way you know is worse in the NFL at least to start. Can he be that catalyst to to turn the thing around? Certainly has the ability for that, and that's what I'm really excited about. The creative uh, bent to his game, different stuff mm-hmm. like that, way he puts defenders into conflict all the time you know, d- d- different it's stuff true. like that. I love all that stuff that, you know, out of the pocket, he's aces, uh, throwing on the run. He's, he's aces. different stuff like that. I, I love all that stuff about his game, but yeah, it just, just needs a little bit more work. I, I think it's fair to say, you know, Pat Mahomes found his Andy Reed and I think Pat Mahomes would have succeeded either way, but finding mm-hmm. Andy Reed is what took Mahomes to the next level. A guy where at speaking of Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Mahomes plays for him at Texas Tech. And yep. the one issue that you had with Mahomes at Texas Tech, was he he had a ludicrous arm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just didn't see guys with the arm of Pat Mahomes. But it mm-hmm. was that, you know, he would do the, the, his own high uh, wire act where it was like, I need to win every single game, whatever, um, was playing some hero ball because... The situation required it. It was Pat Mahomes basically, you know, returning fire against the Baker Mayfield Oklahoma Sooners, different stuff like that. He needed an NFL coach that would teach him these are the instances where you can let yourself off the leash, and I want to see that full thing. I want to see you be Khaleesi's dragon, breathing fire from the sky. You do what you know, whatever you know, whatever with that stuff. But you also need to understand when it's not there. And just to take the short prop, think about Pat Mahomes when they started doing the two deep safeties on him all the different time, and they're like, the NFL was like, we're not letting you have the deep ball anymore. Pat Mahomes was like, okay, I'll beat you anyway, right? Yeah. It was you know the thing we were but talking he had about to with Jaden To that
0: he had to acclimate to that more now. Sure did. Like there, we're old enough to remember there were parts in the NFL where Patrick Mahomes people are like, has the NFL figured out Patrick Mahomes? Is he the same Patrick Mahomes? Now we've seen his game evolve as the NFL has evolved and coverages have evolved. Can Caleb do that? I think it's very, very possible. But in my ranking of him, I'm acknowledging where a lot of people are not acknowledging the fact that the range of outcomes is a little bit wider for him than most people are willing to mention.
1: So, Debra, now that we've wrapped up the discussion of the, the consensus top eight and, and tossed our thing out, let's run through our top ten. So ex- expand the list by two and then and then give people a reminder of where we we're at on these guys. So we'll start with you.
0: Yeah, um, so QB10 for me is Joe Milton. I mean, he's got all the, the talent in the world that you'd want from a quarterback. I mean, oozing, oozing attributes. It's just a question of, does he ever put it together? And I'm on the lower end of, I don't know if that ever happens. Uh, QB9, similar conversation. I got these two guys in the same tier. Jordan Travis out of Florida State. He's got all the intangibles you want out of a starting quarterback. He can run. He could throw. The big thing for him is inconsistencies in his game. And whether that's mechanics, whether that's footwork, whether that's ball placement, big, big times on, uh, big time on ball placement, the inconsistencies are real. Um, QB eight, Michael Pratt, we talked about QB seven, Bo Nix, QB six uh, for me is Spencer Rattler. QB five is uh, Michael Penix. QB four is Drake May. Three is Cable, Caleb Williams. My QB two is JJ McCarthy. And my QB one of this class right now is Jaden Daniels.
1: So me starting at the top from one, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, McCarthy at three, Drake May four, Penix five, Nick six, Rattler seven, Pratt eight. My nine is Milton. Uh, I think there's a there's a big drop after eight. The eight is like you know I mean and, and the latter part of that you know after the top four, then the next four I think are like the solid backups and maybe you know, you, you might get more than that. Like, you know, you have to see, but there's more questions about those guys. You'll get at least a backup out of you get beyond that. And now we're starting to parse guys, whatever. I put Milton at the front of the line of that because I think there's only a one in 1000 shot that the light ever goes on for Joe Milton but if it ever does, watch out. I, I yeah, don't think it's going to happen. I think he's, he's going to wash out of the NFL pretty quick. He, he's like a Jamarcus Russell without the, the hyper or whatever. Has my, all the ed- my
0: comp was Josh Freeman, so I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he can throw the ball a mile. He's super athletic, you know, at, at 6'5", uh, 242. He can do standing back flips. Uh, you talk about a mile-per-hour runner. When he gets out on the open field, he, he can start trucking. The accuracy is all over the place. He has no pocket presence, even though he was playing in one of the most advantageous offensive systems in college football, the Hen and Hooker special with Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Even cleaving the field in half for him, he was still badly struggling to make the correct reads. My 10 was Jordan Travis, who I, I think Jordan Travis has a way lower ceiling, but I think he hangs around as, as the clipboard holder guy, a guy that improved quite a bit earlier in his career at Louisville. He really struggled with the accuracy, wasn't a good thrower or whatever. Worked on his game, worked on his game, worked on his game to at least become viable within the pocket. You mentioned his athleticism. He had that devastating injury uh, against the FCS team in mid-November that led to all the playoff discussions that we won't get into with college football. But we want to see, you know, we'll we'll see it in Indianapolis, the medicals and and how that's going and, and where they project him as far as the recovery timeline. But assuming that is all... Okayish, you know, we don't get bad news beyond what we already know. With Jordan Travis, I would have him number 10. And DeBro, welcome or goodbye to our very first episode of the Fantasy <laughs> Pros NFL Draft Show. That was fun, my friend.
0: Oh, man. Good stuff, man. And we're going to have more of these prospect talks. We're going to go through all the running backs. We're going to talk about polarizing players. We're going to talk about when we get closer to the combine about betting on all this stuff, man. So everybody get subscribed. Stay tuned in. It's going to be freaking fantastic.
1: Yeah, definitely subscribe because these episodes will be dropping every single week on Dynasty Podcast. uh, the, what, what, which mm-hmm. day for the people are they? It'll be dropping
0: drop every Wednesday. So usually we'll record oh yeah. these on Monday or Tuesday, and this episode will drop Wednesday
1: so they'll be they'll be dropping on wednesday make sure to subscribe to that like i said every single episode we're going to hit props different things that came out like that values that we can see on the board and then run through like we did today our top eight or top 10 by position but parse out some of that and then we have a couple episodes where we get deeper uh mm-hmm. sleeper running backs we're, we're going to get way out there in the weeds sleeper wide receivers uh different stuff like that super excited for the rest of the spring super excited to be with you deep bro and for my colleague Derek brown i am thor nystrom thanks for joining us We will see you next time on the Fantasy Pros NFL Draft Show. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty
0: Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros. XCOM.com slash compatibility.